Hi, this is Charlita Huffman. I'm an HIM coordinator in Central Florida, and you're listening to Not Elsewhere Classified, Episode 1. You are listening. You are listening. You're listening to Do Not to Not Elsewhere. Not Elsewhere. Elsewhere. Elsewhere Classified. Hey guys, you know what question I get asked a lot? What is a good online medical coding school? If you want a good online medical coding school, you should check out CareerStep. CareerStep offers online courses, flexible scheduling, and a HEMA-approved curriculum. After graduation, you get a voucher to take your CCA or CPC exam. CareerStep is a MyCAA, My Career Advancement, approved school funding for military spouse education. If you want to learn more, please make sure to check out CareerStep's many program offerings, including their medical coding and building program, by going to our referral link, careerstep.medicalcodinggeek.com. By the way, they have a special promotion this month, but again, to find out what it is, you need to head over to our referral link, careerstep.medicalcodinggeek.com. Again, that's careerstep.medicalcodinggeek.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number one. I do want to thank you all for listening to this podcast. If you haven't done it already, please make sure to listen to our introduction podcast, uh, Not Also Classified. You can go to medicalcodinggeek.com slash podcast to make sure you listen to that first introduction to find out what not else we're classified is what it's all about where it came from and where we're going also before i begin i do want to thank the following people who helped out with the introduction music for the podcast sylvia michael amber whiteman christina south kevin hansford i had put out a request a while ago in the facebook groups and these were the four people who stepped out and helped with introduction music by telling me, send me a, a sound bite saying you're listening to Not Elsewhere Classified. So everybody sent me that. I took the pieces of each audio file and I just put a nice little drum track. Today we have Charlita Huffman. Charlita Huffman is an HIM coordinator at a 64 bed hospital in Central Florida. She is a registered health information technician who is passionate about all the ways the health information management affects and influences healthcare and continues to grow and evolve. Charlita has worked in multiple healthcare settings and is a subject matter expert with AHIMA for the 2016 RHIT job analysis as well as an item writer for the RHIT credentialing exam. She loves spending time with her loved ones listening to podcasts, including this one, and watching entirely too much TV. Uh, what I had found out, she likes Grey's Anatomy. Uh, anyways, <laughs> we talk about a wide variety of topics, including being a trauma registrar, she, how she drove one and a half hours to and from work, the current situation with the RHIT credential. We also talk about going to the beach and also drinking margaritas. She talks about keeping your options open and also her thoughts on networking. I do also want to provide some updates. In this episode, we mentioned my guest appearance on the Coding Industry Podcast with Mark Graham. However, due to commitments, including his recruiting job and his dedication to the ministry, 
he decided to close the podcast as of July 11th. Luckily, Mark gave me the interview and I will probably add it to the podcast lineup in the near future. Also, I do want to let you guys know about beta testing for the RHIT and I also just found out the RHIA exam. This will begin October 2nd. So what does that exactly mean? The beta exam will be based on a new content outline during the beta period. Candidates will not receive immediate results upon completion of the exam. It will take about 12 to 24 weeks from the start of the beta period for score reports to be mailed. So rather than, for those who don't know, you would go to the testing center, Pearson View. You take your test as soon as you're done. Go to the desk and they print out the results. So meaning that you would find out your results right away. So because this isn't a beta period, which means they have, they're in the process of updating the exam, rather than getting the immediate results, you might have to wait three to six months before you find out your results. Also a new update is the RHIA eligibility. If you have an RHIT, and this begins July 1st, through December 31st, 2021. If you have received a baccalaureate degree or a higher from a regional credit institution or nationally recognized accreditor and receive an RHIT credential before, on or before August 31st, 2018. And also if you have your RHIT maintained, you will be eligible for the RHIA. So meaning if you have a bachelor's, an RHIT, within the certain dates that I just mentioned, and you're in good standing with your RHIT, you can sit for the RHIA exam. So that's pretty good because I believe before the requirement was that you have to have a bachelor's in HIM. With that being said, I do want to mention our tutoring services. Medical Coding Geek does offer tutoring for the RHIT and RHIA exam, we have a network of tutors that can assist you. And if you are interested, please make sure to go over to medicalcodinggeek.com, fill out the contact form, and we will set up a time with you to talk about your options. Not necessarily about tutoring, but perhaps the best methods or best steps forward for you to prepare for your exam. We will talk about a couple things like mock exams. You might lead to tutoring, but at least with this first session, complimentary on us, we'll spend some time with you and talk about your best options for studying for the exam. And lastly, I would greatly appreciate your feedback. You can rate and provide a review on Apple Podcasts. The more ratings and reviews we get on Apple Podcasts or what used to be called iTunes will result in our podcast to get noticed. You can also find our podcast on Stitcher and also Google Play Music. Please make sure to share this podcast with everyone, including your coworkers and colleagues in the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. You can find our podcast along with the talking points and show notes from this episode and our future episodes on medicalcodinggeek.com slash podcast. All right. I think that's all I have for today. So without further ado, here is my interview with Charlita Hoffman. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Not Elsewhere Classified first episode. Charlita, you're the first episode. Yeah. <laughs> congratulations. Um, I have here. Congrats. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, no, congratulations to you. This is fantastic. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it, we were just talking earlier about how my setup here. So I should be taking a picture of all the, the table setup 
and uh, I have like a box and it's kind of weird, but I don't have like a sound studio. So <laughs> we're definitely going to work that out. Anyways, we have here Charlita Huffman uh, here as our first guest on the podcast. I'm so excited because this is our very first recorded episode. Again, I'm, I, I'm always learning and especially with audio, it's definitely different, different from learning coding, yeah. learning from HIT. So there's a definite technical aspect that you have to learn on the fly. Anyways, um, we're going to talk about a lot of things. We, me and Charlita have connected. Uh, she actually connected. We, I connected with her. Actually, no. What, how, how do we connect? Can you explain? Well, I, it's, I feel like we've been, I've been like on your, um, like your Facebook page and seen you on around LinkedIn for a little while. But I saw that you posted in one of the many HIM groups on Facebook that you were doing a podcast and looking for people with the gift of gab. And I thought, that's how people have described me from time to time in my past. <laughs> and I would love to, like, I love chatting about HIM stuff. And, um, and so I thought, like, yeah, I'd absolutely love to do that and reached out. And then we kind of spoke, I guess, a couple of weeks ago on the phone. And we were kind of going back and forth and had a lot to say. And I just am excited to get to chat with you more in general, but especially on your podcast and about all of these interesting topics we have today. Oh, wonderful. Now, I remember back in our conversation, uh, you had mentioned that you wanted to start a podcast. Can you kind of elaborate how what happened? Yeah, with that? well, yeah. I actually had one. It was not a professionally based it was well, this of, is not professional either so don't worry about no, it was, no i mean mine was more about it was with a couple of friends and it was about kind of like pop culture and and stuff like that and it was called do you boo i think it's probably still out there somewhere and we loved it but once we got it started a little bit after the first couple of episodes you think your situation is rocky our first couple of episodes, we were recording on a laptop microphone. It got, it was rough. And then, and then I moved, and then I moved back, and then another person moved, so we just never got it going again. But it was so much fun, and I think it's, I listen to a lot of podcasts myself. I think a lot of HIM people probably do, kind of earbuds in, or if you work from home, just listening to music or podcasts a ton. So I've got a huge list of, of podcasts that I listen to, and I've always been looking on and off throughout the years for something that's HIM based or, or even kind of healthcare admin kind of stuff. And there's really not much out there. The only other one that I really listened to was the podcast that you were on um, just recently, the coding industry. And, and I went back and listened to a few of his episodes, but there's, I think there's a big hole in the market for that. And I think a lot of HIM students and, and just people in the community are hungry to have that kind of community and, and conversation going. So I think you'll you'll have a very successful venture with this podcast. I hope so. Oh, definitely. This is a lot of fun. And, I, and again, I want to give out a shout out to uh, Mark Graham and the Coding Industry Podcast. Uh, he beat me to it. <laughs> so uh, if you li ever <laughs> listen to that episode, again, check out uh, Mark Graham and the Coding Industry Podcast. Uh, he, it's on uh, uh, the Coding Industry. That's the, thecodingindustry.com. Uh, you can check him out on Google. I believe he's on Stitcher, and also it's now called, it's now called Apple Podcasts, not iTunes anymore. So they. I know, which is so format. interesting to me. Yeah, so they definitely. I'm not an Apple person. Around. Yeah, I'm. I'm a. I'm a, I myself am an Android person. All right, so let's uh, switch gears and let's go back to the top <laughs> um, with the introduction. So. I mean, I'm going to do an introduction as a setup to to kind of transition into this. But I guess if there's anything that you want to share uh, with the audience about you so that we, we know a little bit more about you. Okay. Um, well, 
I get, I don't know. I'm, I struggle talking about myself sometimes. So that's something I'll share. Um, I, I'm, you know, I'm enjoying kind of figuring out this part of my career. I'm, I graduated from my, um, my associate's program. Oh gosh, it feels like forever ago now, but I think it was, um, I mean, I guess it's been, I'm really blanking on the day. I think it's been a few years. It feels like it's been forever, but so I'm kind of just in the mid stages, beginning to mid stages of my career, kind of figuring out where I want to go with things and, and really enjoying learning and growing. Okay. Uh, so you, you, what kind of, um, what kind of, what did you graduate with? Um, my degree, I have a, an associate's in science and health information technology. And I graduated um, from a college here in Central Florida. Uh, college of Central Florida is actually the name of it. Um, and it's uh, and I took the RHIT about a year or so after I graduated. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, I guess what I, I hear a lot, especially from, because uh, we do have a RHIT and RHIT, RHIA exam group on Facebook, uh, a lot of people who graduate, I mean, there are some people who graduate from college and then they, it's, there's a certain time frame uh, where people wait a year or people wait right after. Do you think there's a certain time frame to, to wait as soon as, you know, when you graduate? Uh, no, and you I think you should grad- be soon as My biggest regret, well, not my biggest regret, but I do regret not taking it sooner. I think initially I didn't take it just because I didn't have the money to take it, to be honest, um, initially. And I think from talking to people, that's been a lot of people's experience. And then the longer I waited, the more anxious I got about it. And I actually, one of my classmates that I graduated with, she took her RHIT while she was still a student. It was her last semester, and and they they make allowances for things like that, that you could take your credentialing exam, you know, if you're within reach, kind of, and... And so she went ahead and took it then, and I so regret not taking it as soon as possible. I think it would have just, I don't know, eased my worries a little bit. And and judging how quickly, you know, I was able to start looking for other jobs after I got my RHIT, I think I would have been in a in a much different position. But I I don't advise people to wait. I think take it while it's fresh, get in there, do it, and um and really attack it. But but everyone's different. But I think it's best to just take it while, you know, the longer you get from, from your education, it's not like it's getting more and more pronounced in your brain. It's just naturally the things that you don't use as regularly. If you're not calculating case mix groups on a daily basis, that knowledge is going to, you know, deteriorate. So for me, my advice is always just take it as soon as you can take it. Um, it's funny because also the fact that the RHIT and just the health information technology in general is always evolving and we've definitely have touched uh, um definitely have seen that in the in the past years uh when i became uh when i graduated with the uh bachelors uh it was at a time where we're still in paper and now coming into like i would think i would like to say between 2009 2010 you start to see more of a push with electronic health records and it's coming into fruition and so like ah it's wonderful it's here and then you're like well now what so there's always an evolution yeah. thing. And so especially for those We've that are been taking, waiting and waiting and now what do we do? Exactly. So people when who they are waiting, you, you have to realize health information technology, just healthcare in general is always evolving. All right. So let's touch also on your work experience. Can you elaborate on um, a little bit about your work experience? Uh, sure. Um, well, I, I guess I got into um, 
health information or medical records at the time, really the first time when I was about 13, I, they did, I, my, I'm a military brat, so maybe that's something that's interesting. Um, my dad was in the Air Force and we were stationed in England and they would do these kind of summer work studies where once you turned 13, I think it was, you were allowed to kind of work in different departments throughout the base. And we lived right across the street, um, off base, but still in military housing, across the street from one of our military clinics. And they had, you know, students come over and do whatever, kind of a little bit of receptionist stuff, but also some medical records stuff. And looking back, I really had no business doing any of what I was doing. We're talking like photocopying people's records so they can take them with them, and I definitely missed some pages and hopefully didn't cause any too much trouble at my <laughs> at that young age. But I I found it kind of interesting and got to talk to some people about you know what they did, and it was all paper at the time, and um and so that's kind of always been in the back of my mind. I think is like oh that was an interesting little summer, and um and later on was going to school kind of not sure what to go for and decided to look at the Bureau of Labor and Statistics website and see what was growing and what I could get done quickly. So um, HIM was on the on the list as growing and that you get a two-year degree and be working pretty quickly. So that's what I went to school for. There was a program right in my community and um, kind of was going to school and, you know, just trying to get it all done as quickly as possible. And I was at a small program or in a small community. So some of our classes, and I'm sure a lot of people have the same issue where certain things are only offered once a year or, you know, during spring semester. And so it kind of felt like, you know, you're rushing and rushing to get things done and and can never quite get all of the things in the right constellation. I think my last semester I took like six classes just because I wasn't going to wait another year. So um, I was going to school and, you know, we do practicums or some people call them externships, whatever. And I was at a hospital in my area and was there for a few weeks, I think 80 hours altogether, and they had an open position. I asked the HIM director about it, and on my last day, she told me I could have the job if I wanted it. Didn't have to do any additional interviews or anything. I still had to go online and, you know, fill out the application and all of that. But just from being there and kind of, you know, having asking good questions, being respectful, being professional, she felt that I'd be a good fit for that role, and her... Uh, her um, offer really made me feel like, okay, this is something that you, you know, you can do, and it's not impossible to get your foot in the door somewhere. Um, so I was working there part time and being a student. Later on in my, um, in one of my classes, our teacher and program director, um, Suzanne Garrett, she's fantastic. She mentioned that one of her classmates or one of her previous students actually had reached out and was working at managing a doctor's office and that they had a part-time position open and to reach out to her if there was any interest. And she told, I think, everyone for her classes that week. And I was the only one to reach out to that doctor's office, which is something we can talk about later of like networking and just really taking those opportunities when they come up and um, went, interviewed, and got that position. So I was working two part-time jobs and going to school and kind of just doing that grind. I think a lot of HIM people and just a lot of people in general understand that you're just trying to get to where you're going and and do whatever you need to do to do that. Um, Then later on, I was doing a second practicum. We do some in acute care settings as well. So we were at outpatient surgery centers and nursing homes, hospice, that kind of thing, the local health department. And um, one of my sites was hospice here in my community. And I later on after that 
practicum there, saw that they had a position posted. I applied. They remembered me well from being there earlier that summer, and I got that position um, and was there and left that doctor's office part-time position but stayed on at the hospital part-time. So working school, working school, and um, and finally decided to take my RHIT about a year after I took that position. And after I took my RHIT, I tell you that day, as soon as I got home, I started applying to new positions. Yeah. And I basically put RHIT in a search engine and, you know, and looked and saw what looks interesting, what am I even close to qualified for, what am I a quarter qualified for, and just started applying everywhere and Later on, over a three-day period, I applied. Uh, I had several interviews, kind of from Central Florida. I drove to the Panhandle, back to Central Florida, then down to Miami. Wow. I was all over. down to Miami too. Yeah, oh my I goodness! Mean, I, yeah, I ended up taking. I ended up taking a, a registrar position um, in Miami, a trauma registrar position, which is um, unusual. It's, it's a position that not a lot of people in HIM know much about, and not a lot of people in trauma know a ton about. It's kind of growing um, a lot in the field, but it's just hearing trauma registrar. I think people tend to think that you're registering people in the emergency department, whereas when you hear tumor registrar, you kind of are, you know, have a better idea of, oh, that's probably not just registering people with tumors. So it's been, it was really interesting, and I had a couple other offers, and I think I just decided I wanted to do something, just take a risk and do something that was a little unusual and not necessarily so super trauma or super HIM associated. And so um, did that and a lot of coding in that role, which is something I always said I didn't want to do. Just like me. (laughs) (laughs) And here we are. Never wanted to be a coder. In class, everyone seemed to all everyone I went to school with seemed that their main goal was to get a job as a coder. And I was always like, that's not really for me. And so I took this registrar position when I had a, an offer for an HM coordinator position, and I don't know what struck me. I don't know if it was Miami. I don't know. I just decided this is what I'm going to do. Took that role and found that while I don't think I want to be a coder long term, I did enjoy it more than I thought I would, that kind of coding perspective and data analytics and things like that. So I really enjoyed that position and transferred after a year to another facility within our network in Central Florida. And then about a year after that, I where I am now, I transferred to our sister facility as an HIM coordinator at a, a like about 64 bed facility here in Central Florida. So it's been a little bit of a winding road, and I'm sure it's not done winding for me. I hope not. And um, yeah, so I've just been kind of open to to whatever's available, and just trying to stay, you know, interested and and open to learning and growing. You mentioned a lot, and, and, and you, you're not lying. You have the gift of gab. My goodness. <laughs> Can you breathe? Did you get a, make sure you get some oxygen okay. there. <laughs> so you mentioned. So you mentioned a lot of things, uh, especially from the from the aspect of when you're in school, uh, taking advantage of that practicum, uh, especially if it's on site. That definitely is key, uh, and uh, that uh, that also happened with me. And um, what I didn't mention in the in in Mark's podcast is the fact that I was in, I was doing a lot of practicums within that facility, uh, within that healthcare system. So I was doing the coding practicum, I was doing the quality practicum, I was doing the HIM practicum, and then also my final internship, I did it at that at that healthcare system. So you know by doing just simple practicums and volunteering. So people ask like, what do, what do I need to do to get that foot in the door? You either have to you know, bite the bullet and, and do some volunteering, 
Um, doesn't have to be like full time. I mean, don't let these people take advantage of you. But just, you know, I guess the idea is all about exposure. So that definitely opened the door for you in regards to that. And then another thing you touched on was the the trauma registrar, right? In Miami, especially with Miami, definitely a big hub of healthcare. Uh, you know, that's one of the biggest, um, uh, what do you call it? I mean, it's at least the cancer, I'm not, no, the trauma registrar. Uh, I definitely have talked to a couple people, and that definitely is a very uh, involved role in terms of trying to keep and keep track, especially from a population health perspective. You have to keep track right. of what's going on. Of course, a lot all of, of that people, data. Um, yeah. People with an HM background, a lot of nursing backgrounds, and a lot of people with a public health kind of interest as well. And actually, I just I forgot to mention I just started a kind of part-time remote registrar work, which is always nice to have something where you can kind of keep that skill set sharp. And so, um, so yeah, it's really a growing field. It's really interesting. And I think a lot of HIM professionals are super well suited for it. If you enjoy coding, but you also want to learn some other things, um, I think it's a great, a really great field. So um, I'm always pushing people to give it a shot or at least apply. And then I'm always pushing trauma directors that I talk to. I'm like, you know, nurses are great, but HIM professionals really do all the things that you need and you don't, <laughs> you know. So I think it's a great field and something people should look into, whether it be trauma trauma or tumor or, you know, there are so many interesting registries out there. Right. And, and um, you make also a very good point is the fact that, you know, for, for those that are at least HIM or coding, their education encompasses the bottom line, health information management, health information technology. And that's something that you, that's a, that's a skill that people just kind of push aside. I mean, you, you, you are an expert within the medical records. So as you had mentioned, you're, you're doing this winding path. And I think everybody who is, you know, trying to get that job, open up your options. And we'll talk about that because you mentioned a couple of things. You want to share some thoughts on that, but before, so let's move on to the next thing in your introduction you also had mentioned that you are an item writer for the RHIT credentialing exam on top of everything else yeah. that you've done. So could you please kind of elaborate <laughs> and tell the audience uh, about that? Well, uh, the way, and I'm not sure if I, I would have gotten the offer either way, but the way I kind of got involved with um, working with the HEMA in that aspect of things was that actually they reached out to me in March of last year, March of 2016, about being a subject matter expert for the RHIT job analysis. And the job analysis just kind of helped to define what the RHIT credential is testing for, what RHITs need to have, what kind of knowledge base they have, what, you know, basically the, what is practical for RHITs to have. And we went through every domain and kind of rewrote, took things out, put things in, moved it around. It was a group of about, oh gosh, 10 or so of us. And um, they we went to Chicago, went to to Ahima's headquarters and got to look around. But we were... Oh, that's um, awesome. How, how is it there? How, how I mean, to me, it's like, it's like, it's like going to like the... Uh, like some type of big museum or a big um yeah, like going to the white house great. or something I mean, well we were initially we were doing all of the the job analysis in a conference room at a hotel across the street and we the whole time we were like begging can we go can we <laughs> can we view it I, I think my linkedin picture profile picture is actually me at the at ahima behind the big ahima sign um or in front of but we um got to go got to walk around it was a really interesting workspace they have um 
just a really interesting group of people kind of put together and people are, you know, working on writing tests and people are working on writing textbooks and it was really cool to get to walk around and see that and also really great to get to meet other RHITs from all over the country and kind of hear what their experiences are and, and see what different, you know, jobs they were in. Some people work in local community health systems, some people worked at the VA and just kind of, it was a great experience and we got to really put our input in and from a diverse group of, of work experience and life experience to put our input into the RHIT and what's really useful about it. And I actually think we're, we're going to talk a little bit about this on the white paper subject a little bit later, but we talked a little about getting, you know, wanting more specialized um, knowledge, especially people talked about release of information and things like that. So, so that was interesting, and we definitely kind of harped on that. And I think they were already going down that path. We didn't do this. <laughs> they were already going down that path, but we definitely did say, you know, we have a lot of interest in maybe having a more specialized skill set. And um, and a few months later, that was March 31st, I think, of last year to April. Um, it was just a couple of days. A few months later in June of last year, they uh, contacted me again and, and some other people, a large group of people, and we did some item writing. They said, you know, we'll have you come out to, I think we were in Colorado, and they provide a ton of books and laptops and some software and you kind of, and give you some examples and some um, kind of, I guess, training material on how to write test questions and kind of go through and you pick your domains that you feel more comfortable about, that you feel super knowledgeable about, and you choose those and they give you, you know, four questions in this domain, four questions in this um, subset of the domains even. It gets very detailed. And, you know, these are the bullet points that you're going to write a question about and three on this. And, and we kind of sat down all in a huge room of, oh, my gosh, maybe 100-plus people because they were writing for every credential. So there were people doing for the RHIA, for CDIP, just all of the different credentials, and everyone kind of knows in a book, knows in a laptop, and trying to get those questions done. And it was intense and definitely a learning experience, and I really hope to get to participate in that kind of uh, item writing and, and different things like that again. So it was it was interesting. It was definitely interesting. Wonderful. Now, a lot, uh, again, we have an RHIT and RHIA group on Facebook, and you should see the activity in the group, uh, especially in terms of you know, the way people study. And there's like, oh, well, you know, the questions on, you know, this book and or the questions on this exam, is it going to be on this exam? And, you know, one of the things that I told them, I said, no, because uh, that's not how it works. And so I'm sure the exams are definitely based upon real life scenarios that are out there in the real world. And so the the idea is that the fact that they should not be memorizing questions per se. Uh, people like you have wrote in questions that are definitely things that you have seen in the field. And so they have to be prepared uh, to do that. So I guess the idea... so. Without giving too much information, and definitely we don't want to compromise, <laughs> I want to at least share something with the audience, at least give something that you know they can walk away with. But without compromising the exam, what best practice advice would you give to our listeners who are sitting for the RHIT exam since you did our, you know, since you are the item writer or were the item writer? After after writing it, I feel like my feelings before I, I was participating in the exam in that way and after are the same. You have to focus, like, domains and those sub-points 
over and over. I mean, that's really what's important. Like you said, the exact questions, like for any test, the questions that you get on a review, at least they should not be the exact same questions that are the exam. They're testing that you understand the concepts. So if you understand, you know, this general concept and you get it, then you don't need to memorize if Sue asks for Jim's records. <laughs> you know, you, you don't need to memorize the specifics of that question. You need to understand the concepts. So I think that's so important for me when I was studying. I, I used, um, I won't say which one, I don't know. We're, we're not going to get you knocked out of any sp possible sponsorship deals down the road. <laughs> but I used a, 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 one of, a popular, you know, review, and I um, mostly used online reviewing for me. That's what worked best for me, and I kind of put tests together and would take them over and over again and get to see what domains I was weak on and what I was strong on. And I just went over those general concepts that I was not quite getting until I felt I had a better grip on, and then just did a general review over the things that I felt really good about, just to make sure that those things are sharp. And when I when I was taking my exam, and this was before I had any experience working with AHIMA and that item writing, you know, aspect, I, I'm, a, I'm a fast test taker, and I, I think I'm a pretty good test taker. I, I can't dwell on a question. <laughs> I don't know about you, but when I come to a question, I don't know the answer. I have to mark it and go on to the next one. And thankfully, you can do that. So for me, I would just read it a couple of times if I really had no clue, mark it on to the next one. And then there were certain questions that I would read that I knew the answer, but I knew that I was a little shaky on the concept in general. So I would mark it, and then whenever I got to another one, I was able to go back to that other question, and it kind of was able to help me frame that other one and help me to answer that for myself, if that makes any sense. So I think it's important when you're taking it not to get so zoned in when you're taking a question, you're looking at a question and you don't have a clue. Don't die on that hill. <laughs> Mark it, move to the next one. And once you've moved on and your brain's kind of working, when you come back to it, for me anyway, when I came back to some of them, I was like, oh, of course. And some of it was that I just remembered it, and some of it was that some of those other questions got my brain working and looking in that in that aspect of things. So I think really focus in on those domains. There's a reason that all of your classes and all the tests that you're taking while you're in school are, you know, you have a list of what domains they all hit on while you're in school for all of your classes. Every course in the HIM program has to lay out how do you fit these parameters. So there's a reason for that, because your test, your credential, everything is so focused on those domains. So really take the time to look through them and make sure that you feel comfortable with each of those bullet points. That's my advice anyway. All right. Well, so, of course, for our listeners, that's a lot of information. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I'm, no, no, that's okay. And that's that's what we need. We need that content out there. and People are thriving for this. So, uh, again, I want to remind our audience, of course, this is going to be uh, on our website uh, it, so you can always download it and read, you just listen back to Charlita and some of these awesome uh, tips, especially with this RHIT uh, exam. So let's move on to the next part is uh, one thing that's concerning nowadays, especially with the RHIT credential. Uh, you had mentioned again the, um, the fact that you're an item writer and you had mentioned some things that you know they need to push forward, especially with the specialization. Now, uh, to kind of set the tone is especially in the Facebook groups, everything that we do is on the Facebook group. So again, if you need to be, if you want to know what our Facebook group are, again, go to the Medical Coding Geek Facebook page. We have it all linked there. But one thing that I've seen chatter on on Facebook is the fact of the of the con the, the idea that the they 
people are thinking that the RHIT credential is going away. So to put it into to um, into perspective, what had happened is there is a article or a blog post by the University of Wisconsin, and I guess people are very they they speed read, so they read it real fast and. Uh, especially with you know the way people write uh, articles and blogs, it's usually trying to catch a title that catches people's attention, and they just draw mm-hmm. onto it. And you know, if you read it real fast, um, you you tend to think, "Oh my goodness, uh, this RHIT credential is gonna be gone." And so people are worrying. Well, now that I'm in a program to sit for the RHIT exam, what is it that I do? And you know, to me, there's some uh, there's some good points, and I you know there's a there's a phrase right in the paragraph right here. Uh, let me read it here, um, and they bold it too. It says a phase out of the RHIT as we know it by 2027. <laughs> And I think, you know, people, you know, again, people are reading fast. They look at that bold thing. I mean, that's what coders do. We just look at some of the things and we just abstract it and we just take it and we walk away, right? And right. everybody, they, they start posting this article all over Facebook, all over social media. It's causing a big stir. And I know there's some responses to that. But when, you know, I guess what, what we want to do is definitely, the, you want to go to the source. So, you know, this, you know, I, I don't want to. Uh, say anything bad about the University of Wisconsin. Perhaps it could be the writers. Perhaps uh, maybe I want to have a blog, uh, um, a podcast interview with the people who wrote this, probably to get this thing clarified. Yeah, perhaps great. or even the program manager. I see the person's name again. So um, the best thing to do is to go back to the source. And who's the source? AHIMA. And so what happens is that they, I guess, they're basing their information or their interpretation of of the white paper, and it is called the. Uh, HIM reimagined, and uh, to put it again to con- to perspective, is and I'm pulling it up on my end. This is a very lengthy uh, white paper report, but one of the things they do mention, especially with the RHIT, and maybe you can elaborate here since uh, you've been in the the headquarters, <laughs> you're privileged to go to the headquarters, um, is the fact that um, with the if you see here, I guess what they want, what they're trying to do, especially with the RHIA, is to make that the gold standard in terms of health information management. Now, from what I understand and looking at the white paper, uh, they're not looking to fi- like it's not going to disappear. And I think what they're trying right. to do is definitely trying to elevate it. And you mentioned some things, and you can elaborate with me, is the fact that they're trying to make an RHIT, and they put in parentheses plus specialty designation. So with right. HIM again, it's it's always evolving. It's not about coding. There's you know the newest term, especially called information governance. There's also compliance. You My talked goodness. about trauma registry. That. You talk about tumor registry, <laughs> uh, risk management. There's a lot of avenues that can be brought, and also information technology. You can definitely see a lot of the uh, new credentials that are popping out in there. So from my understanding, and maybe you can you know uh, put in your uh, input is the fact that it's not going away. They're trying to make it in a way that you have to have your RHIT and then specialize out in a different arena. So this could be, again, and we'll talk about it, casting a wider net is they want yeah. to make sure the opportunities are there. And some people think that, you know, just RHIT is just medical records and there's just so much more. So by adding an RHIT plus a specialty 
perhaps maybe an additional credential that can lead to that. Maybe that program can be geared to to also sit for that specific exam. That can open the doors a little bit more for the people in the industry of health information management. So what do you think? I mean, I, I think, you know, reading over the white paper and looking over, and I'm sure that they meant well, the Wisconsin um, blog team, uh, but the, the reading over the white paper, I have mixed feelings about it. I mean, I think it's a great idea to provide credential opportunities that are that are more diverse and more specialized for people. Um, like I said, we, we kind of talked about release of information and kind of wanting something more specialized because it can get quite convoluted kind of when you're dealing with that kind of work, but then also um, just so many different areas of health information management and things are growing. So it, I think it's a great idea to have people, you know, have an opportunity to specialize um, more so in their, in their field, and I think it can make you much more marketable. But I also, um, I mean, my RH, I, I have the old traditional RHIT, I guess is what we'll be calling it in 2026 or something like that. And I think it's, it's served me quite well. I, I think I've really enjoyed the, the knowledge base that I've had, and it's really been able to help me um, pursue a, a lot of different career paths. I think people are panicking right now, and I, and I think it's going to be fine. I, I think reading through the white papers, I'm looking at the – I have the PDF pulled up now, and I'm looking at specifically, I think, page 8 of 33. And it's um, – I think they're really – AHIMA is doing a good job in helping to market and be our advocates. That's kind of something that I talked about a lot when I was there for the job analysis is that, you know, we're – there are a lot of positions out there that nursing staff are being – looked at over HIM professionals and not necessarily for any good reason other than people just hear nurse and associate that with a certain level of knowledge. And I think AHIMA um, is, needs to, is what I was saying when I was there with them, needs to do a better job of reaching out to employers and making sure that they know how well educated our HIM professionals are, not just RHITs, but RHIAs and, and with different coding credentials, and that we are great fits for lots of those, you know, CDI positions and things like that, and, and registrar positions where a lot of employers are only looking at nurses for those things. And I think there are a lot of positions like that where maybe people are only looking at IT people for certain roles. And, and different roles like that. So I think this is maybe an opportunity to say, you know, hi, employer, you know, we've got a lot of information and we've got a lot of um, education that can really suit you for this role as well. So um, I think in that way it's really helpful and really beneficial. So I hope, to, I hope that we can all, as an HIM community, kind of help, you know, at least steer them in the direction of which credentials are really going to be most helpful and, and kind of be dive deeper into that right i guess everybody again you guys need to relax have a margarita perhaps maybe well it's a little bit too early now since it's our recording <laughs> but again just relax i mean again as charlita had mentioned ahima uh, is definitely advocating for us even though you don't see it or not but again it's a white paper and it's just a direction that they want to go right and uh, you have to remember right. that your RHIT credential is totally legit. It's totally valid. You can go far with it. I mean, there are people who are, who are CEOs that just have one credential. It's just a matter of yeah. what do you do with it. I mean, I, I myself, I'm, I'm going to say myself, I, I gotten so far uh, with my RHIA. It just so happened that I just, you know, I just felt like taking a CDIP. 
just for the heck of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I got a job as a CDI with just an RHIA. It's just a matter, again, and uh, we'll talk about it uh, later, or I've already had mentioned this before, is the fact that you have to you know, give value to yourself and then portray that value to other people. All right, very good. So Absolutely. hopefully everybody can definitely calm on down. Relax. Calm down. We're all going to uh, be okay. Breathe. We're all going to be okay. Right. <laughs> it's just a, an alarm. And, you know, especially with social media, you know, oh, my goodness. You're talking about the media uh, blowing it over. No. So we want to make sure that we're reassuring everybody to lower their blood pressure, relax it down. and Exactly. And it's an opportunity. Don't think of it as a, you know, as a setback. Exactly. It's a big opportunity for our field. And it's, I think it's going to help people in the long run for sure. All right. So I do want to thank you for that. So let's move on to the next part is casting a wide net. So you mentioned something about throwing a net. Is that like, you know, we're going to go fishing out in the, out in the beach and catch some fish. So can you please explain to me when you talk about what casting a wide net? You could be fishing while you're looking at jobs on your phone. um, So for me, casting a wide net really meant applying to a wide range of job titles at a wide range of healthcare settings and being willing to commute or move in order to attain that next job that I was looking for. So I think it's also important to remember that because you are commuting or you move doesn't mean that you have to do that forever. You can move or have a commute for a couple of years. Actually, when I transferred up here uh, back to Central Florida to work as a registrar in um, in one of the facilities here, my commute was an hour and a half each way. So I drove three hours every day. And it was, I mean, for a little over a year. And it was um, – it, actually, it wasn't that bad. It's kind of once something is your, in my mind anyway, for me, once something is my skip routine and this is what I've got to do and this is the job that I'm working at and it's going to take me to that next level, you know, you get up a little earlier and I was, I got very protective of my sleep. Suddenly, I'm a, I used to be a, a big night owl, not so much anymore, but, um, but you know, I was willing to do that because, to me, I knew that position was going to have an opportunity to expand and to grow, and I did it for a year and then moved on to something else. It didn't have to be forever, and I think it's so important. I think people get so bogged down. I remember being in class and people saying, you know, I'm applying to jobs and, you know, it doesn't pay well enough or the jobs that pay, you know, a little better or are maybe the same kind of lower pay, you know, I have to drive an hour or something like that. And it's like, listen, I understand, but no one's going to come knock on your door and hand you the dream job tomorrow. You've got to work towards that. You've got to knock on those doors yourself. So for me, that wide net is about, being open and also being kind of um, aggressive and being your own advocate. Don't expect that someone's going to come to you with an opportunity. Go to people and show them, you know, that you want that opportunity and that you're an opportunity for them, that you're someone that they can develop into being a great member of their team. So I'm really passionate about job searching in general. I think people really don't give themselves enough credit. Uh, You know, I had to beg some of my classmates to apply for jobs just apply. The worst case is that you don't get the job and you already don't have it. So, you know, you don't really have much to lose. And, you know, you may not get the position, but maybe they look over your resume and like what they see or they interview you and remember you well. And the next time they have an opportunity or they know of someone who has a position that you might be a good fit for, you've made that connection now. So I just think it's so important to not worry so much if you're not an exact perfect fit for that role that's posted. If you think it's something you could be good at, especially with coding, just ask to take the assessment. And, you know, if you do a good job, then great. But don't 
count yourself out. People are going to be counting you out already. Don't add another stone on that pile. Just give it a try and really put yourself out there. I think that's so important to be willing to just make the make that first effort. Wow. All right, Shalita, thank you very much. So one thing also in terms of casting a wide net is is the fact that you mentioned a lot of things, and especially from your experience, is the fact that we should not have a narrow vision. You know, people, right. when we, like, even people who just start the program, they already have it set. I'm going to be this and I'm going to work from home and that's what's mm-hmm. going to be. And if I doesn't, if it doesn't go that way, then it's, that's it. I'm done. So, you know, with, with this and, and, and this does not in health information technology, it's not even just in medical coding, the idea as a professional, okay, as a professional is the fact that you need to keep your options open. You know, businesses Absolutely. stay afloat by keeping their options open. I mean, look at Amazon. Mm-hmm. The, mo- the most recent thing that's happening now is that the fact that they bought Whole Foods. They kept their options yeah. open. And now look what's going to happen. So you have to look at that from that aspect. You yourself Absolutely. is an entity. You yourself, is you're running your own business and your business of, you know, trying to get a job. And so if you don't keep your options open, then you're, you're set to failure. And that's pretty much what it is, right? And so let's move on to the next part is the fact that you had mentioned about networking and through your, you know, what we just talked about previously and and what we talked about before, you know, networking is definitely the first thing. So do you have any advice that you can give, especially on how to network perhaps? Well, and and that's something that I actually need to do better about is join, is being active in your local um, chapters if you're, I mean, we're both AHIMA people, but, um, you know, there are other great organizations that, that have, you know, credentials and things like that. So be active in your local HIM community. And, and I think the classmates that you've had and the colleagues, that you, the professional colleagues that you've had and coworkers that you have, really develop those, um, you know, relationships. You don't necessarily have to call someone every single day uh, to keep in touch, but, you know, touch it, te- check in with people, see where they are and see how they're doing. And if you ever have an opportunity to help someone, help them. I think that that's so important. For me, you know, a rising tide raises all ships. There's enough to go around. Don't be, like, stingy if you hear about a great job position that you're not going to apply for or that you are going to apply for maybe, but that you – think that you might know some other people who are a great fit, reach out to people, let them know. You never know when those people are going to see something and remember that, you know, that you are trying to help others as well. I just think it's so important to help your your network. And I think um, when you're in school, and we kind of talked about this a little bit for practicums and stuff, when you're in school, not just your practicums, but your classes are, are kind of you know, a little bit of an ongoing interview with your with your colleagues and with your classmates. A lot of people, and I think this is especially maybe for RHIT credentials because it's something that people can go back for quickly, a lot of the people in my classes were already, you know, working and were already in the field. One of them was a director of coding at the hospital in town. So there are a lot of people there who are already in the field and who can already kind of help guide you. So don't, you know... Don't portray yourself in a way that you wouldn't want your future interviewer to, to see you as. I think, you know, there definitely were some classmates who had maybe not a great reputation, and that followed them. It was really hard for them to get jobs in our area. A lot of them had to go elsewhere. So I think it's really important to remember that while you're in school and while you're in class, that is a networking opportunity. And don't, you know, don't ever forget that while you're asking those questions and, 
you know, talking to those professors who could tell you about, you know, job opportunities in the future, that, that they are going to remember you and you're going to remember them and you're all going to be able to help each other or, or not help each other. And that's a very real um, possibility. So just keep that in mind that when you're in school that all of these people are going to be kind of going along with you and your career path. You're, you're a class and you're going to be growing all together and maybe some in different areas and some faster and some slower, but that's really important. All right. So that definitely is a lot of information that you gave. Uh, especially with networking. And I guess there's some people, and maybe this could be another podcast. Uh, I think I have somebody in line to talk about that. But, you know, one thing that people don't really teach in school is how to network. So, um, yeah. like, and spe- especially with people skills. So is there anything that you, especially for those that are afraid, like people, you know, like my daughter, she's she's very... <laughs> You try to have her to talk to somebody, she's, she's going to just go to the corner somewhere, right? Uh, so I'm trying to develop, <laughs> trying to help her develop that skill. So for those that are in that type of scenario, how would you, what kind of advice would you give to them? I think it's, it's, I think it, it definitely can be difficult for different personality types. And there's actually some great books out there for um, networking, professional networking for introverts and, and people, I think introvert gets thrown around a little bit much, but you know, for people who just aren't as socially outgoing, Um, But I think that a lot of it is, you know, don't try to be something that you're not. It's kind of like in life when you're meeting people and making friends, it's kind of the same. Don't, you know, try to put yourself in a personality that's just not natural to you. Be yourself, but find someone who you have an interest in. If you you go to an event or if you're in class, say, I'm going to talk to one person today or one person, you know, I'm going to try and really connect with one or two people this semester. And, and let that be your goal. You don't have to be the best of friends with every single person who you come across, but try and find people who have kind of similar interests or, or seem to just be of a similar mindset as far as, you know, career and ambition goes, and just get to know them a little bit. Ask them what it is that they want to do. Ask people questions, you know, see what they want to do, see what their work experience is, and just try to make a, a more um, – a genuine connection with people. It doesn't necessarily, you know, have to be super surface. I think when people hear networking, they think, oh, I don't like to network. I don't want to be, you know, artificial with people. And for me, that's not what it's about. I love talking to people, as you can, <laughs> as you can tell. Uh, to me, I really like to hear, um, you know, what what is one of the first things I ask anyone when I meet them, especially in a professional setting, it's like, you know, what were you doing before this? How did you get into this? What's your degree in? Like, just get to know people. Be curious. Be curious and and try and find out more about people. And and then those people in turn will be more curious about you, and you just naturally will develop a rapport with people. But don't make yourself go into a situation where you're going to be so uncomfortable. Just start out with one person. Say, I'm going to get to know one person this semester, and I'm going to figure out what it is that they want to do in their future. And, um, and you never know where that relationship can go for, for both of you. Right. And so uh, again, thank you very much for that advice. Um, again, we're at our time. Uh, definitely a lot of information that Charlita has definitely shared. And I do want to thank you very much. Yeah. It's our first podcast. We're almost done. All right. So episode, we're almost done. So uh, before we kind of wrap things up here, I do have a final question. I mean, do you have any final words that you want to share with your audience? I know you mentioned a lot of things, but if there's something that you want to say that people that are listening to this podcast can walk away with. I mean, I guess um, what I when I'm talking to kind of 
classmates and coworkers and, and people, I think my main message overall, if I put everything that I, you know, harp on together, probably just sums up to don't hesitate to try and don't hesitate to help. Don't ever hesitate to apply for that position because if you if you don't get it, you already don't have it, and you may get a great interview experience out of it. And don't hesitate to help others because I just think it's really important to to help to grow this HIM community. And you never know when when you're when someone's really struggling to network, and you know some people really do struggle with that. So really help them and push them forward. And you never know when someone's going to be able to do that for you. Again, that's not saying the only reason to help someone is for your own gain, but I think it's important to build a community uh, around yourself and around your, you know, maybe your graduating class, things like that. So that would be it. Don't hesitate to try for something and don't hesitate to help someone try for something. All right. So the key, the two words, don't hesitate. Just do it right, just yeah. like Nike, right? So again, again, I want to thank you, thank you, Charlita, for for being a part of this first episode. Uh, is there for our audience who, if they wanted to contact you, what would be the best way of getting a hold of you? I guess my LinkedIn is probably the best way, or or my email. But my, I think my email address. We'll is do LinkedIn. There. Yeah, um, we'll keep it. <laughs> we'll keep it on we'll LinkedIn. That's I'm sure you get flooded with a lot of messages after this podcast from your email. So yeah, definitely um, don't hesitate to reach. I, I love talking about this stuff, and um, and I think there are a lot of great HIM professionals out there. And thank you so much for having me. I hope this goes well, and I'll definitely be tuning into every episode. Awesome, and definitely, I know we talked about this. You wanted to be a part of the podcast too, so we'll definitely, I'll definitely kind of see where you can fit in. Maybe you can do your own interviewing. Perhaps we'll see how that works. So uh, you haven't heard the last of Charlita Huffman, especially. Uh, from this first podcast, we want to make sure her, she's a regular, and I do want to thank uh, thank you for being part of this first episode. And I want to thank you, the audience, for being the first, uh, being part of this uh, first episode and listening. And so, hopefully, this podcast can do a lot of great things. Again, uh, with her contact information, LinkedIn, I'll be definitely putting some of the information, some of the uh, show notes on the episode website. Um, so we'll definitely put that there. And, uh, you know, again, thank you very much, Shalita. Uh, again, thank you, everybody. And we'll go ahead and finish off. Thank you guys for being part of this podcast. Thank you. Coming up on the next episode of Not Elsewhere Classified. You know what? I'm out of words right now. <laughs> I've, I've, I've said everything that I have to say. And really, um, I think the best thing I could say is I, I should end with a question. Not Elsewhere Classified is presented and produced by Medical Coding Geek. Music was brought to you by 43 and Coyote Hearing. Medical Coding Geek offers tutoring and media services for the medical coding, health information, and CDI community. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MED Coding Geek. That's MED Coding Geek. You can also find us on our website, medicalcodinggeek.com, where you can find and listen to all the podcast episodes plus the show notes from today. Make sure to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. We would definitely appreciate it. And again, thank you for being part of this podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kui, and you have just listened to Not Elsewhere Classified. MedicalCodingGeek.com